Welcome to Highway Diary. I'm your host, Eric Hollerbach. With me in person for the first time, audio only, Charlie Robinson. How are you, my dude? I'm good. I'm real. I'm not, I'm not, um, I'm not unreal like those motherfuckers in the back of the plane. Well, yeah. Oh, sure. Sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, so anyway, I'm Facebook friends with Donna Marshall. He's claiming that's a clone of him. That lady who freaked out on the plane who said, that guy's not real. Donald Marshall on Facebook says that's a clone of him. Well, that would make sense. So That would answer a lot of questions about that lovely lady from Dallas who had herself an experience right there on a Southwest flight. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I but was I, hoping for that today when we, you just picked me up from the airport, but I was, I was a little disappointed, frankly. We got here in one piece. We weren't diverted because of uh, extraterrestrials or some sort of fight on the airplane. I was kind of hoping for a fight. I didn't yeah. get a fight. Good I didn't World get Star aliens. video. I didn't get World Star hip hop. I didn't get any of that <laughs> shit. I just got a boring old trip to like on a flying bus. Yeah. To uh, to to lovely Austin, Texas. Well, it's good to know that you're a real person. I see you in, uh, you know, we've known each other on the internet since uh, December 2020. When you mentioned uh, casually that Clash Schwab dresses like Emperor Palpatine, I've never heard of that person before. Um, I want to talk, speaking of freaks and creeps, um, Patrick Clausen, I, I watched this video again. He is an Israeli lobbyist, warmonger, and he says, getting into war is, be is best for U.S. interest. He's an autistic warmonger. Let's play that clip. I frankly think that crisis initiation is really tough. And it's very hard for me to see how the United States uh, president can get us to war with Iran. Um, which leads me to conclude that if, in fact, compromise is not coming, that the traditional way of Amer America gets to war is what would be best for U.S. interests. Uh, some people might think that Mr. Roosevelt wanted to get us into World War II, as David mentioned. You may recall we had to wait for Pearl Harbor. Some people might think Mr. Wilson wanted to get us into World War I. You may recall he had to wait for the Lusitania episode. Some people might think that Mr. Johnson wanted to send troops to Vietnam. You may recall we had to wait for the Gulf of Tonkin episode. Uh, we didn't go to war with Spain until the USS, uh, yes. until the Maine exploded. And may I point out, that Mr. Lincoln did not feel he could call out the Federal Army until Fort Sumter was attacked, which is why he ordered the commander at Fort Sumter to do exactly that thing which the South Carolinians had said would cause an attack. So if, in fact, the Iranians aren't going to compromise, it would be best if somebody else started the war. One can combine other means of pressure with sanctions. Uh, I mentioned that explosion uh, on August 17th. Uh, we could step up the pressure. I mean, look, people, Iranian submarines periodically go down. Someday one of them might not come up. Who would know why? <laughs> we can do a variety of things if we wish to increase the pressure. I'm not advocating that, but I'm just suggesting that uh, it, it, it's, this, this is not a, a either-or proposition of, you know, it's just sanctions has to, has to succeed or other things. We are in the game of using covert means against the Iranians. We, we could get nastier. What I've noticed is that making a treaty, a peace treaty between nations, narrows the line of victim-enemy. If you cross this line that I've artificially created in this treaty, that we both agree, that's the, that's the line in the sand. <laughs> These little fucking cuck losers tiptoe, put their foot exactly across that line. Oh, whoopsie days. Oh, I was just, you know, I just spilled some roses here. So that's why I touched over this line. That is a sales tactic for war. It is. Um, sell the benefits. That's a sales tactic as yeah. well. Yeah. You want to push somebody. You want to get three no's, right? Before you, you, you're going to get three no's before you make the sale. So you're going to have to, uh, you're going to, have to do some trial closes. Like, mm. is this, you know, what's it going to take to get me into, get you into this war today? You know, mm. that sort of thing. Uh, Patrick Clausen is a tremendously uh, adept salesman mm -hmm. at war. He's a pathological liar and a subhuman, uh, you know, that deserves to be locked up in an Iraqi prison for the rest of his life. But he's very good at selling war. And that's what you do. You take him right to the line and normalize it. Get him talking about it on the mainstream media 24-7 for the next nine months. And next thing you know, 
it's not do we invade this third world shithole country that didn't do anything to us it's should we do it this tuesday next tuesday or the tuesday after that Right, because, you know, we said in this treaty that both the government leaders signed, hey, if this happened, and it's just like, it's so disgusting to me. Um, pasta, Craig uh, Pasta Jardula was just on Jimmy Dore. My, it's like when you see your homies, you know, get together. Because I met Craig Pasta Jardula at Rebels for a Cause. Now he's on Jimmy Dore, who I look up to so much. And he was talking about the Ukraine war. I didn't know anything about this, the Misk Accord. So there was two Misk Accords. That was brokered between Emmanuel Macron, who had sex with Justin Castro, and uh, Germany, and you know Russia got together and said, "Hey, look, you know, let's set up a treaty so that Ukraine and Russia don't fight each other." Germany also had Germany. Sex, yeah. Germany also had sex with Justin Castro. Oh, good, good. Yeah. So if you cross this line, we have to have a Ukraine war. So. The Ukraine, the, the lawyers, because America doesn't have, doesn't declare war anymore. Ever since Vietnam, we haven't declared war. But ever, we just send advisors to nudge, nudge. If you cross this line, <laughs> push the people over it. Um, by the way, I had a psychopath growing up in Jersey who they had a dog collar on the dog with an electric fence. And this kid is probably in jail now. But the dog learned that the, where the electric fence was so he wouldn't get zapped. And this fucking kid would drag his own dog by the hind legs over the thing to watch the, his own dog fucking spaz out. He's definitely teaching in first grade. Yeah, or he's teaching uh, Patrick Clawson how to be a psychopath while they 69 each other at Bohemian Grove. Um, but, yeah, so, you know, Pasta was on with Jimmy Dore talking about the Misk Accord, the, the yeah. sales tactic. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> mistakes were made, as they say. Um, Putin knew that uh, the Minsk Accord was horseshit. He knew that that was just a stalling tactic for us to, you know, that we were never going to really go, we were never really going to, you know, hold up our end of the bargain on, on that. Uh, and, and, of course, we didn't. And so, um, but that was just used to buy time so that Ukraine could build up its defenses so that they could get themselves into a totally unforeseen war that we definitely didn't provoke by poking the big Russian bear in the nuts with a giant stick over and over and over again. Actually, Victoria Newland's the one who was, was doing that. She was there with her stick just poking along because this is what they do. This is the only way that they know how to um, govern is through extreme violence and psychopathy and when you're trying to remake the global chessboard, they subscribe to the philosophy that the ends justify the means, even if the uh, uh, means are lighting the entire, you know, eastern part of Ukraine on fire. They don't care. They have this strategy of tension. And look, like I've had times in my life, peace times, you know, growing up in rural New Jersey, I got kind of lethargic because, you know, good times create soft men. And I grew up a pussy most of my life. But, you know, but it's, it's also another thing to always be at the threat of nuclear war. I like, I, I don't think that's the best way to like motivate the peasants to go to fucking work every day. It's like maybe you could get vaporized tomorrow, pay your fucking bills. Yeah. You know? Well, it's really hard to tell someone to pay their bills when, when, when you go, well, listen, in the back of my mind, this could be the last month on earth. You know, do I really yeah, need to pay exactly. July's rent when um, there may not be an August? It puts everyone in fight or flight, which ruins everybody's cerebral cortex who's growing up, you know? <clears throat> yeah, and, you know, it's just, it's hard for, it's not good for picking up chicks, mm. you know, all mm. that stuff. Did you see the videos? It looked like Kiev was going off. This, it looked like they were having pool parties. Like oh, yeah, pool parties yeah, there. yeah, 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 yeah. Good you to can't know tell that. nudist Ukrainians not to fucking fuck each other and party. No, no, you can't. And listen, um, everybody deals with grief. <laughs> In their own way. Some people like to get naked and go to get bottle service in the top clubs in Kiev. I, I, who am I to criticize these folks? Yeah. Anyway, uh, but as an analogy, the only method I know how to help society is as a comedian. And the problem is, Charlie, and, and like, you know, I, I told you this on a podcast before. I, like, none of the comedians know anything. And so it's so annoying for me. So I had um, Don Barris was in town and I, uh, you know, helped him out. I drove him around and all that. 
And like he was telling me, oh, you just got to play the game, you know, just play the game. And like when I'm around these exhibitionists, know nothing, loser narcissists, I can't, I, my skin crawls. It's like when they get up on stage and they're like, oh, you know, my mom gives me anxiety and oh, I went over here and it's just like, like, you know that scene in They Live where you put on the glasses yes. and like in, it, he looks at the newspaper, just says consume. He looks at the billboard, it says obey. I just look at it and it's just like narcissist, loser, like, like status, status monkey. Yeah. Like, like, uh, it's, it's gotta be tough to be awake in the comedy world when you've got the vast majority of people that their entire existence depends on them not figuring it out because to figure out that this is all a scam and that the world how the world really works you couldn't really operate inside that hollywood machine you know you would you would um, you would be at odds against it the fact that anybody in the alternative space, somebody like you can have a career in comedy is crazy. I mean, it's it's a testament to your your comedic skills, but it's tough to succeed in a industry that's run by people that have a vested interest in not understanding what's actually going on. You know, for the the, the guy, the minute the guy on stage wakes up and realizes that he's living in a, an episode, or, you know, he's living through the movie they live. Uh, it would break his brain, but of course you can see through it all, <clears throat> and that's both a blessing and a curse. Yeah, and like I just kind of silo my efforts into like I don't like you know I used to go out every night, and that's where I got skilled in New Orleans and Los Angeles. I would go out every single night, and I got I gained these skills. But now that I know I have these skills, I don't. I'm not insecure where I have to go kiss rings of psychopathic narcissist losers. I don't care how high they are on the totem pole of comedy. Like, Don Barris is like, why don't you go do this show? I go, that guy is an asshole, and, it, like, he doesn't know anything, and he treats everybody like shit. So the answer is no. He's Wait. like, just play the game. No. If that's the game, kiss his ring and pretend that guy's cool. I'm not doing it. I'd rather be homeless. I think when people say, when they talk about paying your dues in Hollywood and in the entertainment industry... I think that what the average person that doesn't have any idea about that industry thinks that means is that it took you a long time to get to where you are because you had to work really hard. But I think what it really means when they say paying your dues is that you've got to go do deal with the people like that. The kiss the rings and kiss this guy's ass and deal with some guy who's got a huge ego and isn't funny and you have to pretend like he's funny just so that he'll put you on the bill. I think when they talk about paying their dues, what they're really talking about is that they had to sell out in order to pay their dues. And I don't, I would never want to make it like, I mean, whatever making it is, if it involved doing that, I wouldn't want to make it. Yeah. I wouldn't, Maybe maybe everybody else wouldn't know what had happened to get you to where you wound up being, but you would know. Mm. And that would be all that it would take, is to know, ooh, I compromised myself. So whether you're in the comedy world like you are, or the alternative media, which we really both are, you there are shortcuts to greater success, but if you take those shortcuts there's repercussions and maybe the audience won't ever know it but you'll know it and that ultimately i think makes us stay on the track of like let's be authentic even if it takes us longer to to get there and we don't even know where there is but maybe there is like respect we'll we'll do it our way take us longer but by the time i get there i'll feel better about myself than some guy that you know told some unfunny comedian that was the greatest set I've ever seen when it really wasn't. You know, after you say that, now I'm thinking the opposite. I think I want to enter the matrix of an echo chamber of emotional support hacks. That's what I want to do. Um, I gravitate so much to Jimmy Dore because he, he grew up with all these fucking L.A. Hollywood, like, kiss-ass, I'm a lifelong Democrat, no matter how much hair they smell or kitties they fiddle. And he's like, don't you see? And like the only other person I could point to is Sam Tripoli. It's like, 
he's a black belt in conspiracies. And I was listening to Tinfoil Hat the other day, and he's listening in a malaise of like, what is my career? You know, like, you know, and he's just like, I can't, I have to be authentic to myself. And I like, that's why I, I like, me and him are such kindred spirits. And like, at the end of the day, everyone's like, oh, you're a conspiracy theorist, which is gaslighting tactic developed by the CIA after JFK assassination, after they killed him. Conspiracies are the backbone of lawsuits. Hey, Pfizer conspired against the people here. Conspiracies are the backbone of geopolitics. Patrick Clausen, nudge, nudge. And uh, Cass Sunstein, nudge, nudge, nudge. Yep. The, the, it's the, and if we follow the philosophy of vampire narcissist comedian, you're led to experimental jabs, empty life. I always think that there used to be in my mind's eye a utility to escapism with comedy, but I just think like with the with the world is now you ha it's so important to know anything because you can make life or death decisions in the wrong way all the time. There's all these traps of your potential out there. It used to just be that you'd want to know what was going on so that you would be cool, or you know, <clears throat> you know, in the, the the in crowd. Now you need to know what's going on just so that you don't die of myocarditis five years from now. You know, like if you're wrong about whether or not you're wearing the, the, the cool shoes to the party, you, you'll, you'll be okay. If you're wrong about what you're injecting into your body, you know, you, you, you drop dead on camera. You know, you, you fall over in the middle of a, 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 a news, you know, the six o'clock news <laughs> doing the weather. So it's never been more important to be not a conspiracy theorist, Right? We're not theorizing about potential conspiracies, though there's plenty that we could. We're conspiracy analysts. We're analyzing actual conspiracies, like the ones that Pfizer are involved in and have paid the largest criminal fine in the history of planet Earth for settling racketeering, fraud, uh, you know, faking studies, uh, killing people with their products, you know, those sorts of things. Yeah, they're the backbone of lawsuits. Like, like, look at asbestos. Oh, you're a conspiracy theorist. They gave a generation of people, uh, what's it called, mesothelioma. Yeah. Now, if you watch, if you watch Ricky Lake at eleven o'clock in the morning on a Thursday, you're gonna see eight commercials for. Did that asbestos give you lung damage or somebody? You know, call the law offices of. All these guys and uh, talk to an, uh, an an operator. We'll get you sorted. Yeah, out. Yeah, with the, as long as your breathing tube is functional, you can you can form the words. Um, but geopolitics. Okay, so you, Ukraine is funded by the fake Biden team because Biden died years ago. You would think when they cloned Biden, they would try to like edge out the kitty fiddle, and it doesn't seem like they were successful in that. You ever make a Xerox copy of something, <laughs> and it's a little, it's not quite as good as the original. Yeah, I kind of feel like with Biden, that's him. He's a Xerox of a Xerox. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like around the edges, you just go, I knew, I'm going to need my glasses for this Yeah, one. I can't read the policy, but the hair sniffing is still there. It's like the only thing I'm getting off can't this. Can't get rid of that. Um, but yeah, so we talked about, now, now we just have like people like Cass Sunstein nudging him into war because that seems to be the only way that we get funded. And uh, look... I, I went to college. I got my master. I loved college. I loved all of it. And this is where oh, we disagree. Oh, so you're saying you're a master now. <laughs> that was good for my ego to put out a comedy special with a master in screenwriting in my, in my uh, cap. Um, it, it was good, and I believe in it. I even believe in public school because the public school I went to in Jersey was very well-funded and very good. So I, And my competency is a direct result of my education. But at the end of the day... There is an element of it that's a Ponzi scheme because it's unaffordable to 99% of the people that get the loans. And I think, look, if you fuck around and waste the teacher's time, you should be on the hook for it. But if you get the degree, your loan should be wiped. So you have every doctor and lawyer just go diving into the matrix to pay their loans back to their fucking satanic controllers. And, um, you know, it seems like we've kicked the can down the road. So the biggest line item on America's budget is, um, and by the way, I just made a mistake because on Robin Hood, 
I bought this stock that I said commodities. When I looked into their portfolio, it was all U.S. bonds. I'm going, D -d -d sell, sell, sell. <laughs> so the U.S. bonds, the biggest thing on, on the American um, line item, the, the tax sheet, is student loan debt. Loan debt. They see that as a, a commodity instead of a liability because nobody can pay it back because the market is. So what's their idea? Uh, let's just start a nuclear war with Russia. So they just like drone strike in the middle of Moscow to just go, oh, well, we've done that. We've crossed this line. We just, oh, what are you going to do back? You know, that's like kind of like in high school, you poke a girl on the side of her tit just so she notices you. Yeah. It's like, well, you can either get me for sexual assault or we can keep dating. We can start dating or whatever. So it's like, this is how this operates. It's like, instead of having a functional economy, they just go more, they always double down more on war. Well, it's a great place to hide a lot of mistakes and and recycle money and get people distracted and worrying about things that are um, real life real life wars worry about that don't worry about the fact that that Joe Biden promised a, a bunch of dumbed down voters that he would wipe away their student loan debt no he couldn't got them to vote for him and then he got in office and then said hey you know that student loan debt I said hey Jack remember that student loan debt well you're on your own sorry about that uh, mistakes were made, but we've got to focus on Ukraine because if we don't get Ukraine under control, you know, there's not going to be, you're not going to have a college to go to, Jack. You're going to be... You're, corn pop. <laughs> corn pop was a bad dude. You know, was, so it's all about distraction, money laundering, lots of money uh, going into foreign countries and then who knows where, you know, it comes out of... Uh, winds up recirculating back into the Cayman Islands where it, where money lives, of course, and uh, into the bank accounts of all of the people that made the decisions on starting the war in the first place. It's, it's the circle of life, as they call it in Washington, D.C. <sighs> so, listen, I'm no stranger to the pokey. I was telling you on the way over here, as I, you know, I get it's some legal problems. Um, I had this other personal legal issue that I sought consult of a lawyer right so he he said no, he canceled our first meeting canceled our second meeting because he's on a lavish vacation i won't mm -hmm. say the religion of this person i can only speculate and then <laughs> so then when those he, jehovah's witnesses are tough man. they're you tough gotta, man they keep you walking gotta, you can't get you can't get them on the schedule in august maybe he was a scientologist but um Oh, we don't, we don't talk, we don't uh, okay, talk yeah. poorly about them because they'll sue you. <laughs> so, so then his, his secretary set up the third meeting because he's on a lavish vacation somewhere. And then she wanted me to upfront pay $500 for the first consult. Now, it used to be, now tell me if I'm wrong, Charlie. It used to be you would be able to see any lawyer one time for free just to explain the case. And sure, a sales tactic for them. Hey, I can, I can. Uh, now that I understand, I hear, I hear you. I'm, I'm good in this area of law. That, but I can't even get one free consultation. I've tried three now, lawyer. After this guy, I was like, that's bullshit. I'm not paying five hundred upfront. I went to another one, three fifty. I went to another one, five. I go for one chat upfront just to see if I have a case here. Now they all want five, and I'm telling you, it's because of this. They all have student loan debt, so they're all like, well, I'm not going to be able to give my kids, uh, you know, a baked chicken today if I don't get upfront thing because, you know, 400 of the five is going to my student loans. But let's have, uh, let's have war with the Ukraine. Anyway. But could you imagine how many lunatics come into their office and say, I want to sue my neighbor. He done fair. He was filling up his swimming pool. <laughs> and I told him. You can't do that at this time at night, you know, and so, Fair. you know, there's probably some people that are trying to sue the government for putting chips in their heads or... I would take that case. I would take that case, too. Probably make a lot of money. Um, a class action lawsuit. That sounds like a conspiracy theory, like myocarditis. And <laughs> <laughs> Did you get myocarditis in the summer of 2022? <laughs> Did you get a chip in your head after the jab? Um, okay. Uh, I want to talk about something personal because you. I feel like I'm allowed to say this because you brought this up on a macroaggressions episode. Uh, okay. 
So I'm 37, you're 50. I feel, all, and this is weird territory, but we have almost like a little bit of a paternal, I feel like a paternal vibe from you. Okay. And um, like, I feel like you have mentored me, but we are like colleagues, you know, and yeah. buddies. Um, you, you, you lost your dad early. And yes. I wonder if you feel like because you didn't have that growing up, that that's something that you want to give to other people, like the alternative scene. You see what I'm saying? I know this is a heavy topic. I was, my dad died when I was 16, which was rough, of course. Um, but I felt like that was, that was pretty good. I had, I had training wheels on for a long time. 16's pretty good. I mean, 16, my daughter is 12 and she is convinced she knows it all. And I was 16, so I had four more years. And I felt like that was pretty okay. I mean, I could complain about it, I'm sure. But but really, in the grand scheme of things, you know, a lot of people don't get any years with their dad. You know, with it, as far as dads are running out of, uh, you know, the, the homes as fast as they can sometimes. Uh, so I felt like that was pretty good for me. Um you know, as far as like my relationship with people in the alternative media, I don't know. I I'm I I'm old in numbers apparently. Number I've just turned fifty, but I'm emotionally retarded. So I feel like I'm still emotionally like twenty four in my head. I'm still twenty four. You know, which mm-hmm. is not great. That's not a great place to be. But I guess what I'm saying is that I don't feel. When I was a kid and I looked at somebody that was 50 years old, they were definitely old. For sure, they were an old person that got the early bird dinner and went to sleep at 6 o'clock. But now that I'm at this age, I look and I go, I feel good. I I feel better than – I feel as good as I did when I was in college. Therefore, I feel like I still have that same mentality, which is – uh, maybe good in the long run is that you're not going to let age define you, but in it, but also I'm going to go out tonight and I need to remind myself that I'm not 24 and, and, and not get into like, Oh yes, let's do Jaeger shots all night long. And then <laughs> I have a radio show tomorrow morning that I have to do live. Like, let's not do that. So there are limits, you know, I do own a mirror. I do realize that I'm not actually 24, but um, but anyway, I, I maybe I, I'm projecting. Maybe I'm projecting. Anyway, I I, uh, I call my dad on the way over here. Me and him have a great relationship, but I, yeah. you know, and I, I feel very much benefit from that because I have this like I can get moody. I can be like this guy's backstabbing me when like, and it's all in my head when they, they he just like gives zero fucks that I exist. You know what mm. I mean? I, I tend to like conflate issues and like make make situations into conspiracies. But um, I'm learning just like to stay in my own lane and just to do right by people as good as I can and let my action be my reputation uh, instead. But I do hate a lot of comedians in Austin. So I'll just say that. <laughs> but uh, they're hateable. Well, because they're dumb. Anyway. So, but I think fatherhood's very important, and um, let's talk about the poo girl. So, yes. there was a lady who, you know, and I'm trying to date, like, I'm a single guy, like, you're married, I'm jealous, like, I'm trying to date these ladies out here in Austin, and, you know, I'm on the dating apps, I slide into DMs, sometimes I have a couple beers, I slide into DMs, and then the next day, it's just shame spirals, and what am I, because, you know, yeah. getting rejected is hard, and then... This lady, let's just play this clip. This is the horse poo girl. (laughs) Okay, I am here with Jubilee. That was your name, correct? No, it's Madam Jubilee. So last night you went viral on a bunch of different social media platforms because you were caught on video downtown playing with horse shit. That is correct. Can you tell me what happened? Um, Okay, so basically I was like downtown enjoying myself, you know, getting my dance on. And all of a sudden, I hear like a, a, a boom, like a shoom. I don't know how to describe it. And I see just a man going down and like cops like jumping on him, like four or five cops just like on his back. And I just like 
my mind just like activates and I'm like, oh my God, I can't breathe. Like, like I'm like, what, what is happening? And so I like walk slowly over there and he's on the ground and I just, I don't know, I want to do something. So I like lie on the ground and I just try to make eye contact with him so that um, if, you know, so someone can just stay conscious and like try to like shoot out good vibes. Um, and then they see me and they try to kind of push me away and like they like grab him and they get up. Um, well, actually, but before all of that, um, they have horses all around. And honestly, like the energy was so intense that the horses just like shat. Like I've never seen, like obviously horses like poo. That's the thing. Like you'll see it like randomly, like little drops. But like it was like a thunder of like just shat. And like it like vibrated the ground. It was like boom. Like the horses were like, what the fuck is happening? We do not consent. We do not like this. Um, anyway, so they grab him and they take him away. And you know, the street goes back to how it is. And I'm just looking around and being like, what the fuck? Like, how, like, how is this life? Like, like, no one will remember this moment. You know, it's just going to be like another day for everyone else. And then I like turn around and there's all that horse shit. And I don't know, it just like felt grounding to be like, well, I'm going to sit here because like this shit was wild. And I just sat down and no pun intended. <laughs> yeah. You basically rolled around and shit and played with horse shit to save somebody from being arrested? No, I mean, no, because I don't want to be, like, trying to be, like, I'm a hero and I'm just going to try to do so much for the world. Like, no, no. I just, like, sat and shit because the world is shit. And, like, I, I don't know. I, that stuff doesn't fear me. Like, being dirty doesn't fear me. Like, it actually, like, grounds me. Okay. Um, and, like, there was something, like, sacred. Actually, if you think about shit, you know, it, it's removing the toxins from our bodies. So really it's like, it kind of was a metaphor of like, you know, the society, a lot of sh like fucked up shit happens. And like, how can we like remove that toxins and like lemons, like turn lemons into lemonade. Like, and honestly, it wasn't like going to, I wasn't walking over there being like, I'm going to roll around in it. Like, no, I just sat down and then like people. Spur of the moment yeah, kind of thing. Where's the microphone? Sorry. <laughs> it's just mine now. People like started to like circle around me when I was just sitting there. I was just chilling, like I had no plan. Um, and I was just sitting there and then people started circling me and then I'm not gonna lie, I'm an entertainer. So like, I just felt inspired. <laughs> like, Let me guess, you're in sex work? <laughs> okay, that was like a huge leap. You didn't like make it a little bit more like tunneled. I am a stripper, a dancer, and yes, I uh, specialize in sex work. I'm like a tantric healer is what I like to call myself. But yes, also sex work because that word is, like, those words are really, um, stigmatized so trying to just make it normal by being like yeah I'm a sex worker I work with sexual energy and releasing trauma and like helping people come back to their bodies hey, I'm, I'm getting hard just thinking about all this shit is this something that you've done before like danced and shit or just like with with horse shit or really any shit no I mean no you've never done like scat porn or anything no that would be cool though I'm feeling very inspired now what, you, I, I, in general, like, roll around in the dirt, like, all the time. Like, it, like, it literally grounds me so much. I'll just, like, be sitting down under a tree and then be like, okay, I'm just going to, like, put this dirt on me. And then are, I'll you a, are you a witch? I mean, I don't know. Am I? You have the tattoo you on tell your me. eye and you're, you're talking about being grounded and stuff. I think I'm just a human being. I think we should all just be grounded in earth and, like... So are you a witch, yes or no? Put down our phones and enjoy life, of course. <laughs> Okay, so dads are important because I picture that this guy was running around 6th Street with yes. a baseball bat, bashing grannies in the head. Yes. Bomb! Home run. Yes. <laughs> then he goes over to a group of bachelorette parties. Boom! KO! Home run. World star. Boom! KO! World star. So then these police horses on 6th Street grab the baseball bat. They shove the guy down. They, they start to arrest him. Yes. But this vacuum of attention is like oh that guy's getting attention negative attention i'm from a broken home let me lay down next to him and shoot him good vibes oh what can i do for you hopefully you stay conscious victim of police brutality yes she did she have any idea why he was arrested no did she care no what did she care about this guy's getting attention right now and i'm not oh and i'm rolling on ecstasy yes. so then the horses are very well-trained horses. So they're clippity-clop, clip, trying not to trample her dumb face, right? Clippity-clop, clippity-clop, while they're trying to, you know, oppress the, the arresting. They're very well-trained police horses. Yes. You, there's a certified police horse. That, you know, it's not just a wild horse. Trust me. 
By the way, trying to date a lady from Texas is like trying to put a saddle on a wild horse. I'll tell you that, bro. <clears throat> so then the, they start pooing. The yes. guy leaves, right? He's, he's, he's arrested. She's like, well, how can I continue to get attention? Everyone's staring at me around in a circle with cell phones. That's what I really want. I don't really want a relationship. I want as much attention for as long as possible. How can I get... Oh, look at the poo. It's very grounding for me to smear it on my face. This was covered in national news. Okay, I think dads are important. Because dads <laughs> teach daughters how to get positive attention for good action and good outcomes. And yes. how to earn attention like a nice lady. Yes. You, <sighs> if you're on 6th Street... And the night ends with you rolling around <laughs> in horse shit. <laughs> Daddy didn't love you. That's all I'm saying. I th- he I didn't love you. He didn't love you in the way in which you needed to be loved. We'll just say that. I hope your daughter gets more than four more years of that. So I, that that's uh, impossible. I, in I, I hope so too. But that is a, a case for um, a two-parent home. That lady. Yeah, for sure. For sure, you would avoid some of these problems and pitfalls with uh, with that. I mean, there's no scenario in my life in which I can in, in, envision my daughter rolling around. Well, maybe you know, if she was if she was on ecstasy, mm. yeah, that that would explain some of it. But the justification and the rationalization of the interview with her um, that's a broken mind. That that's a that's a mind that has been shattered into a million pieces, and uh, she's going to need some therapy, and maybe some of Pfizer's magic potion, some some pills that Pfizer's making. When the controllers say, "Oh, they're all useless eaters," I think they show the they, at the Bilderberg meeting they put the horse poo girl on the the screen. Um, the contract between men and women. In the internet age, the contract. It's written in invisible ink, I tell you, like a magic trick. You go, I didn't sign that. Oh, it says here, you're, you're, you have to, uh, you're gaslighting me. That's, <laughs> that's my favorite new, new, new term. Ask one of these dumb broads uh, to <laughs> define that. That gaslighting is a fun Oh, that's term. toxic masculinity. That's, well, to, to ask someone to define gaslighting is definitely toxic masculinity. You, you wind up in this, this blame spiral where it's like everybody else's fault except your own. Um, yeah. So I was looking up, uh, you know, just before I even date anybody, I was looking up all these legal terms surrounding divorce. And one of them was... It's a good way to get started on the dating scene. Is well, to, I, I need to know the pitfalls so that I can... you got to have... Hey, as Terrence McKenna says, if you don't have a plan, then you become part of somebody else's plan, right? So you got to have a plan, even if it's an exit plan. So there's, like, physical abuse. There's emotional abuse. One of them was financial, okay? And then there was, like, all this stuff around financial abuse. And one was, like setting up a credit card in the other person's name, like basically fraud. And I was like, okay, I agree with that part. One of them was withholding. Now, if you're like making $42,000 a year Mm -hmm. and you're like, and then your wife who doesn't work is like, but I want a handbag from Gucci. Why are you withholding? Well, there's $2,000 in the bank account. That's for the mortgage. Like our mortgage is $1,900. Yeah. Well, there's $2,000. You're withholding. So that's like a part of abuse that these lawyers who require $500 for the first introduction, probably because they get, you know, the crazy bitch ex-wife, you know, gets on their number. Yeah. Um, so even opening that can of worms, you know what? Maybe the 500 is worth it. I got to look back at this. Um, but in the internet age, when every butthole is on there girls that are tens girls that are twos like every butthole's categorized like a butterfly in a pin board yeah you know what i mean it's like what is even what is the contract anymore between men and women how do we evaluate this contract how do we value this how do i put a price on sanity how how do how do we um how do we quantify what you bring to the table what i bring to the table Look, I brought all this money and you brought all this anxiety. Like, it's something. 
It's a yin and a yang. Right. Right. Yeah. I brought the money. You brought the crazy. And now we're in a divorce attorney's office at $500 for the initial consultation. And they're trying to hammer me because I'm withholding from you. Withholding. I'm withholding the biggest ass beating of your life is what I'm also withholding too. Should we put that on the table? Is that something we should should discuss, right? Or is that just physical violence? Well, that's physical violence. I, exactly. That's another, oh, now that's, I feel so gaslit right now. It's, I'm, but I'm putting it on credit. It's coming. <laughs> it's coming to you. You're about to get this physical violence, but I've put it on my credit card. So you're going to get the bill in 30 days. <laughs> I'd rather the financial abuse was really worse. You need a yin yang so you don't get the horse poo girl. It's really what I'm. So remember how that was required? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so you also said this on Macroaggressions 355 with Brandon Thomas that around you had, you, you've been married twice. Yes. The first one, mm -hmm. um, again, tricky territory. Sorry for prodding. That's no, all right. Um, around the time of your divorce with your first wife, you bought, you bought an island. Was that a, some kind of... A bought an island. Yeah. Well, was that a crisis? Was that an no, no, no. anxiety no. situation? No, was no, no. A... No, we, we bought this island in Belize. We were going to develop it. We were going to build it out. And we were both in real estate, working in real estate in Las Vegas. And a uh, two and a half acre island in Belize right off the coast, uh, you know, seven miles off the coast of Placencia. It's a beautiful place. Um, was going to build a big house, a main house and some guest houses and then fractionalize the ownership, split it up into, into like six different chunks with, you know, with fractional owners. All that was part of the plan. I had everything ready to go. I had been out to the island. I was out with the surveying team doing all that stuff and getting ready to order the barge to come for this with all the sand because you have to sand fill the island and raise it its elevation a little bit i was ready to do all that stuff and i came home one day and i go damn the house is like there's something different about the house it feels it looks the same but it's very echoey in here and I couldn't figure out what it was. And I walked through the house and I went upstairs and I went into, I was just come home from work. I had all my, my work clothes on and I'm, I still can't figure out what's going on. And I finally got in my closet. I walked into my closet and half of it was gone. Like there was nothing there. Like everything was gone. Clothes, like she just moved out while I went to work. <laughs> and I realized that, like, oh. what was different about this place was that there was a bunch of stuff missing. So my complaint, and I had plenty of them, but one of my major complaints was you didn't know you were leaving when we were buying the fucking island? That, mm. was my, that was my main complaint, was it was 10 weeks before you packed up everything and left. So, I don't know, maybe... In a roundabout way, could you have said, maybe let's hold off on this island purchase for 11 weeks, 12 mm. weeks, just, to, you know, three months to make it a nice round number. But I wound up by, by owning that island and not having the ability to develop it the way we wanted to and then holding on to it for a decade and then finally selling it. So that's the that's the story of the island. It's real. I really do. So she just, they want a half the island? Without probing too much? Okay. No, no. She didn't get any of the island. She just... No. Yeah. I said, I said, uh, I said, here's, here's the negotiations. Uh, you can leave if your idea is to leave and you can take uh, two of the condos and I'll take one of the houses and then we'll sell this house and then I'm keeping the island. And she said, fine. Mm. So that's, that was the deal. Always ask for the island. Yeah, in yeah, the divorce. yeah. That's what I've learned. <laughs> <laughs> Always ask for the island. And you're, everyone's like, everyone's going, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Just give me the island. Just give me the island, <laughs> god damn it. Yeah. Some power move. Yeah, for the, for the record, the, it's not like a million dollar island either. You know, it's, it, it's still it's, it's a little volcanic. 
pimple it, it, in listen, the middle of the it, it's still it's a beautiful place and and somebody is going to have uh you know it's exactly what you would picture an island you're like perfectly round mm-hmm. and like beautiful blue water and palm trees and all that stuff i did talk to some guys that said uh uh, they were out there recently. Well, this was maybe a couple years ago. And this guy said, hey, did you did you know that you have saltwater crocodiles on your island? <laughs> I was like, no. So that's a bonus. Sometimes you buy the island, you get the free crocodiles that oh, come, come with okay. it. I was not aware that saltwater crocodiles had moved into the uh, island. But uh, Well, if you have some like tenants that aren't paying their share. There you go. Trap door. There you go. Yeah, free, that, free judge, jury, and execution. Mm-hmm. Live, live yeah, makes in. a lot. Of those saltwater crocs make a lot of problems to secure. <laughs> just, just deputize them. Put like little police badges on. It's your island. Listen, listen. We're, we're just we're just taking care of business the old-fashioned way. Sometimes crime. You just yeah. Well, you then the lawyers get involved. Well, you did push him over the fence into the I pit of the crocs. I did nothing of the sort. <laughs> I did not. That's the one thing about having an island is that. Uh, as Jeffrey Epstein noticed, that that um, that a lot of problems disappear out there, right? Look, the slip and slide. We were just we had a slip and slide. It happened to have been in a location where maybe it it aimed towards a certain you know. Yep. Slip and slides go up a hill, down a hill, down a hill. Yeah. Yep. And now and off the and into the <laughs> deep end. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, I'm just trying to find the pathology of someone that's trying to save the world and do what we're trying to do. It's just like it's like when I think. The real issue is like when you've had full and total loss, like the loss of a parent or whatever, Mm -hmm. then you kind of realize like, okay, what is worth it? What is worth it? And and then it's like fighting fighting the government for being a clown is like not scary, you know? No, no. When you realize also you you realize you can you can leave this planet any single day. you know, you could be fine one day and dead the next. So you got to do what you love, too. And and I, I struggled with that. And I found myself in situations where I had jobs where I was like, honestly, if 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 I do this job for any longer, I'm going to wish that I was dead. So I've I've done whatever I could to try to even if I'm not like super successful at what I'm as long as I'm doing something that I enjoy and that I like it and I could try and find a way to make a living doing it if I if I have to but I'd rather do something that I enjoy that I feel like is is beneficial and, and has some kind of purpose special purpose maybe even like Navin Johnson um as opposed to something like working in my real estate slave job where it wasn't the worst job in the world, but I I didn't love it. And I certainly didn't feel people if someone said, Are you making a difference? My response would be, Absolutely not. I am not making any difference at all. And in fact, my life, if I disappeared, nobody would even know that I was here. So I have there's some freedom and I think coming close to death where you realize that it's there. It's waiting for you. One misstep or one bad luck or, or whatever. One, one stupid move, one injection from some psychopath in uh, Switzerland, you know. The, the, with, and next thing you know, you're, you're, you're dead. But I have... Uh, look, it takes some of the pressure off, too. Like, what's the worst that's going to happen? You're dead. Well, you're dead and you didn't even notice it, right? Uh, I'd rather be doing what I love and and be happy that way in this limited amount of time that we have on this planet than try and buy, uh, you know, a Bentley or something like that. We bought the island as like an investment. We were trying to like do this so that we could flip, you know, add some value and sell it, make some money so that we didn't have to work anymore. You know, that was the point. It wasn't like, oh, I love all this work. I want to create more work. No, the plan is get enough money so that you don't have to work. And then I thought, well, this doesn't make any sense. How about how about we do it this way? How about I'm going to probably have to work. How about I just do something that I actually enjoy? And then I won't feel like I'm going to work. Kind of like office space where he's like, do you have anything you can give me to like zonk me out? 
make it feel like I went fishing all day long. When I'm writing books or, or doing podcasts, I feel like I've been fishing all day long. That to me is is a lot of fun. Well, it's fun. I don't know. Maybe not fun, but more fulfilling and interesting. And I don't know how it's all going to turn out, but I, I I enjoy the the thrill of it all. And so to me, I love doing that I, uh, as opposed to uh, really anything else. I don't want to do anything else. I'm unqualified for anything else. <laughs> On top of that, too. Let's let's not let's not breeze past that. I am completely unqualified to do almost everything i'm the worst mechanic in the world if you want your car broken worse than it currently is i'm your guy Uh, i can't cook i'm terrible at that i have very few skills if the power goes out i'm doomed i'm great at complaining about stuff though i have a phd in complaining oh hypocrisy you sent me that i love that book yeah that's 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 like another thing that's the like an old guy on his (laughs) on his lawn screaming at the world um yeah but if we can't also throw out some suggestions on how to how to fix things well then then it's just complaining so Complaining without solutions, I don't think is is any good. So, so that's that's kind of where where we are. We're, we're we're equal parts complaining and hey, everybody, look at how screwed up the world is. And then also we have to say, yeah, but here are the things that you can do to make it less screwed up too. Well, you're up for some awards at the American Liberty Awards um, yes. tomorrow at the Vulcan Gas Company. I'm going to try to post this tonight uh, as soon as possible. I'm, I'm sure we're going to have some drinks together, so yeah. I, I got to also do my duty of putting this out there. But uh, the books are The Octopus of Global Control, The Controlled Demolition of the American Empire, and Hypocrisy. The podcast is Macroaggressions and Uni of the Unwanted, which I've only done one time, but I hear Claire Schwab Jr. has done that like five times he comes in from time to time he, he he's always frantic he's in the middle of some sort of murderous rage or something he looks disheveled yeah uh, he's very angry and then he's gone yeah and uh so he's got a show I, i'm like in a stockholm syndrome situation right now but he uh, you know i have to make pluggings of his show as he says um it's gonna be called illuminati confirmed at the vulcan gas company uh, with harrison smith from Infowars. So that's uh, August 17. Um, August 12th at the Vulcan Gas Company's American Liberty Awards. Uh, any other things I've missed? Uh, I think that's it. Okay. I the, don't know. We'll see. Highway Diary, episode 386 with Charlie Robinson for the fifth time or sixth time. Who knows? Yeah, My baby. good buddy. I can tell you he's not a clone. I'm looking at him right now. That motherfucker is real. <laughs> Okay, bye everybody.